You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you've tuned in and welcome to Awakened Church. You know, right now we're living in uh, just some very, very heightened and very, very anxious, very difficult, you know, volatile, challenging times. There's a lot of words flying around, a lot of emotion, uh, a lot of injustice and justice to be had. There's a lot of the worst of humanity that we're seeing and there's a lot of the best of humanity that we're seeing. Unfortunately, right now we're seeing the, the display from both ends of the spectrum. We're seeing some of the, the nasty and the violent and the hateful all the way over to the Christ-like, self-centered, selfish, sorry, selfless giving of themselves, loving others, loving strangers, overcoming the selfishness, overcoming the self-centeredness that plagues us when we don't have Christ in the center of our hearts. I want you to know that my message today is called What the World Needs Now. And you know what the world needs now? It needs the gospel. What the world needs now is a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying religion. Religion is God without God, is Christ without Jesus. It's, it's church without the presence of the Holy Ghost. Religion is, is all the form, it's all the accoutrements, it's all the liturgy, it's the sequence without the substance. And what the world needs right now is not more fake religion. What the world needs right now is an encounter with Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you this, Jesus Christ is the only heart changer in the universe. He is the only heart changer in the galaxy, in the cosmos. I have no problem saying this. I, I know it's gonna be provocative, but here I go. The difference between Christ and every other religion is very, very simple. You could tell if I've joined another religion by my external appearance, by my garment. If I become a Muslim, you'll see by what I wear, the beard I grow that, that I'm Muslim. If I become a Buddhist, same thing. If I join the Hare Krishnas, same thing. If I become a Hindu, same thing. But only Christ, only a born again Christian, you can't tell from the outside that they are different. Why, why is that? Because religion knows that it is powerless to transform, so it requires conform. It requires that I change the external. But you know what? I may have the whitest garments, but still have a heart filled with racism. I may have the most amazing religious rhetoric, but still have a heart that is full of injustice, bitterness, and hate. But I found that the day that Jesus Christ stepped into my heart, the day that I invited Jesus into my life where I was born again, not when I joined a church, not when I selected a religion, but when I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when I determined that my life was no longer my own, that He was now my Lord and my Master, it was this Jesus who commanded me to love. He said, I want you to love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and I want you to love your neighbour as yourself. I want you to love others as yourself. He then taught a parable about loving your neighbour. 
And in that parable, he tells the most provocative story to Jewish people. A Jewish lawyer says, okay, who is my neighbor? Is it the one I share a property line with? Is it the guy across the street? Surely you don't mean the guy two streets. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story about a good Samaritan. This was incendiary to the Jewish people. They hated the Samaritans, which is amazing that the Jewish race and no race, no race on this planet in 6,000 years of recorded history has been the victim and the target of genocide like the Jewish people. What they suffered in the Holocaust wasn't a one-off in 1939 to 1945. That was a play and repeat that happened again. It happened at the end of the, the, uh, the 19th century, the end of the, uh, in Russia. And it happened again before that. It happened again. It happened again and again for thousands of years. And yet the very, very people who were the objects of racial hatred now also had racial hatred, which tells me that racism is not a condition of skin color, but it's a condition of the heart. It is a condition of the heart. And the last time I checked, the only power that changes the human heart is the gospel. One of my favorite songs is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace was written by a guy called John Newton. He was a slave trader. He would travel to the Ivory Coast and he would steal human souls and he would come and sell them. He was a slave trader. And on one of these voyages, a storm hit that boat so severely that it looked like they weren't going to make it. He fell to his knees and he cried out to God. And he said, God, if you will save my life, I will repent of this evil. I will stop and I will do everything in my power to end slavery. Well, he makes it back safely. The storm supernaturally subsides. When he gets back to England, he sells all of his boats. He raises up a young man by the name of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce goes in and 29 times tries to change the legend, but eventually, because he doesn't give up, because he's got John Newton in his ears, they don't give up and they bring the emancipation and freedom and the end of the slave trade. John Newton then writes the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. The last time I checked, it's only Jesus Christ whose fingerprint on human history is the changing of a human heart. What we're seeing at the moment is, I'm not judging and I'm not throwing stones, but I need you to understand that hate can never beget love. Vengeance can never beget reconciliation. Somebody's got to go first. Somebody's got to forgive. Somebody's got to let go. Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies. You have heard it says, love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who spitefully use you. If someone forces you to walk one mile with them, don't let them take something from you Why don't you flip that thing around, walk with them two miles, say, hey, I know the first mile I meant to walk with you because you're extracting it as a Roman occupying Israel. They could command a Jew to carry their, their baggage, to carry their load for a mile. It was a requirement. 
And Jesus was teaching in his day, the culture, don't let them rob from you. Don't let them take from you. Walk with them too. Say, hey, I know I'm meant to carry your stuff for one mile by law, but come on, let's keep walking. Thank you for the great job you're doing, providing protection and security. Even if he was a jerk, right now he's feeling like, man, who are you? You know, uh, all the way through history, we see these, these people who Christ has touched their hearts no greater than a guy called Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington was one of the first of the free black people. He, he watched his mother and his grandmother and everybody that he knew was, was affected by slavery. But he said this, he said, I will not so degrade my soul as to make another man cause me to hate him. He knew the freedom that there is in love and he knew the bondage that there is in hate. We've got too much hate in the world. We've got too much racism and hostility in the world. And I've got to tell you, we had the prophet Ruckins McKinley and he said, the world won't change till the church changes. The world won't get it right till the church gets it right. So I'm speaking to church people today and I'm telling you, we got to get it right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you will find that there is an incredibly powerful passage and the passage of Scripture is often read at weddings. It's known as the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Paul talks about, you know, if I can prophesy and, and speak all kinds of mysteries, but I have not love, then what am I? I'm nothing. If I can do miracles, healing signs and wonders, but have not love, what am I? I am nothing. And then he goes through and he begins to describe, describe love. And he says that love is patient, love is kind, it suffers long, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it, it doesn't puff itself up, it doesn't behave rudely, it doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil, it does no iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they'll fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it'll vanish away. For now we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood and reasoned as a child. I even thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then on that day, when Jesus splits the sky, then I shall be known as I am known. Now watch this, verse 13, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. In the NIV it says, and now these three remain, these three remain. Paul's writing, when everything else is stripped away, when everything else is taken away from your life, the three things that are the most essential things to the human condition are these three things, faith, hope, and love. If you don't have those three things in your life, something is broken. You know, I gotta be honest, I'm pretty ticked that, that we had governors that, that dared label the church as non-essential. I honestly believe that it's not a coincidence that in the very, very states that resisted the strongest, the opening of the churches, we're seeing some of the craziest violence and riots and the church is not, not the church is God's healing extension. I believe it was the devil. I believe it was Satan himself. He knows if I can shut down and mute the church, then I can just put my finger in these wounds and 
cause that thing to inflame and the healing ointment of God won't be able to extinguish the flame of violence and vengeance. But I'm telling you, it's time for the church to rise. The three things that the human condition needs more than anything else is faith, hope, and love. If we're gonna be peddlers of anything, we need to be peddlers of faith, hope, and love. If we're gonna be distributors of every, anything, we need to be distributors of faith, of hope, and love. What are they? Well, let me start with hope. Right now, people need hope. And what is hope? Hope is the prospect of a better tomorrow. They say you can live 40 days without food, they say you can live about three days without water, but they say you can't live even a minute without hope. We have our eyes in the front of our head because we're meant to be looking forward. Looking forward is the disposition of hope. It's the stance of hope. It's the prospect of hope. You're meant to look forward. You're meant to believe that tomorrow can be better than today. You and I are meant to believe that what the world that our children are going to inherit is better than the one that was passed down to us. I refuse on our watch to kick the can down the road. I refuse on our watch to not make this world a better place, to not address these issues, to not speak the truth of the Word of God, to not kowtow and bow to the loudest voice I'm not gonna do that. What I am gonna do is I'm gonna boldly declare the solution. I'm gonna boldly declare the antidote and the antidote is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the teaching of Jesus Christ, is the power of Jesus Christ and is the word of Jesus Christ, which is laced with faith, hope and love. You can hope that your children are gonna grow up in a better world. And I want you to know that that's why the church is here. And let me encourage you, the church is on the rise. 2.6 billion people on this planet are born again. And I know that the church has been relegated and the church has been put on mute and the church has been shut down and the church has been removed from our colleges and removed from our schools and removed from our courthouses. And we've had evil legislators in power wanting to remove the voice of the church from the community. But I gotta tell you, the church is on the rise. We are raising up godly men and godly women to once again fill government positions and mayoral positions and legislative positions and educational positions because what we recognise is our society is a direct reflection of the absence of the Word of God. Everywhere the Word of God has gone, it has brought life, it has brought liberty, it has brought freedom, it has brought salvation, it has brought transformation. In fact, what we know as the civilised world, civilization, it is civilised because the gospel went. Everywhere where the gospel has not penetrated, it is uncivilized, it is barbaric. It's customs, it's, po it's position and viewpoints on the worth of a soul, on the worth of humanity is evil. That's why you see abortion in all the places where they first remove the Word of God, because you can only lie about the value of a human life being less than human when you don't have the Word of God to back it up. We need the Gospel and we need to understand that God is raising up His church. The voice of the church is elevating and you should have some hope from that. God is a hope dealer. The Bible calls God the God of all hope. And you can hope the things, you can believe. Believe is where faith comes in. Faith is, is not just believing in something that is ethereal. A lot of people say, well, you know, I, I hear you. You've got your faith and I, I've got my science. Oh, oh, really? Can I just tell you that all science proves faith? 
If you have some science that somehow disproves faith or disproves the reality of God, you've got pseudoscience, you've got bogus science, you've got BS science, you've got nonsense science. All science proves the reality of God, the existence of God, the very fact that you can use a, a thing called science. Science requires there to be certain measurables. It requires things to be in place. We know that a foot is a foot and a yard is a yard and a mile is a mile and a kilometer. We know these things because they're real. We know that there is a such thing as a gravity, as gravity. We know that there is a such thing as the law of lift, that airplanes, you, we know these things. Why? Because they are, they are 100% predictable because they were 100% relatable because they were created by God. And so, so don't give me that, well, I got science. All science backs up and proves faith. But faith is not believing in the superstitious. It's not believing in, in uh, Goldilocks and the free, three bears and, and leprechauns and, and the tooth fairy. That's not what I'm talking about. Faith is in God, in His reality, in His Word and in His promises. And let me just say this to you, that God is a promise-making God. God created you for relationship with Him. All the way through Scripture, God makes promises. And what God is looking for more than anything else is a believing response. God created you to be a believer. Now I know, I know in the New Testament that the Bible calls us Christians only twice, only twice, both times in a derogatory tone. In the New Testament, we weren't known as Christians, we were known as believers. The Gospel of John finishes I, John, am an eyewitness to all these things and verify their truth and reality. I say this so that in believing these things, you will have eternal life. Whosoever believes in me would not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to know that God is a promise-making God and God is always scanning the earth for a believer. When God sent me to San Diego, I knew that I wasn't God's first choice for San Diego. Heck, I knew I probably wasn't in God's top 10. I asked God one time and I got to 50 and He still shook His head, wasn't in the top 50. But I made a decision. I don't know whether I'm 51 or 101. All I know is I'm gonna be His last choice. I'm gonna live a life that makes sure that He doesn't have to look for somebody else. That if I've got a God that makes promises, who's looking for a believer, I'm gonna be that believer. Can I just encourage you, believe the promises of God. A scripture I wanna give you is, is in Amos 3 verse 7. Amos 3 verse 7. I shared this a little while back at our men's prayer meeting. Amos 3 verse 7 says this, it says, Surely the Lord God does nothing except He first reveal his secret to his servants, the prophets. The Hebrew is quite, quite delicate and interesting around this verse. It can also be written, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he first reveals his secret to his servants who then engage by prophesying. I want you to understand that the God will reveal to you a promise and then ask you to speak that promise so that God can move. God, God, there is a, a legal jurisdiction that happens uh, in the earth. If you, if you understand the devil, the devil claims to be the God of this age. 
Jesus called him the prince of this world. The Bible says Satan took Jesus on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all the kingdoms, not most, not some, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, these have been delivered to me and I can distribute them to whomever I will. If you will bow down to me, I will give them to you. Jesus does not dispute that fact. When God asked Abraham to give his only begotten son, God was so tickled that Abraham did that because it now gave God legal recourse to now give his only begotten son and to intervene into the affairs of mankind and bring forth a savior. It's a legal contract. And so surely the Lord God does nothing. You may say, well, I don't see God doing anything in our community. I don't see God doing anything in my family. Well, let me ask you, because surely the Lord God does nothing and maybe you're in that realm where you're not seeing nothing. You're seeing God doing nothing. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless He first reveals His secret to His servants, the prophets. This is what I've discovered in God. And I'm sorry if you've grown up in church and no one's told you this before today, but this is what I've discovered. The God will, will show me something that He wants me to speak. He wants me to speak forth His Word. When I speak forth His Word, when I prophesy His Word, that's what prophesying is, it's speaking forth God's Word. God watches over His Word to perform it. When I speak it out as, as somebody that God gave dominion over the earth, He gave it to man. When I speak it out, I literally give God legal ground to now do something. Your life is a reflection of the words that come out of your mouth. Are you speaking words of life or words of death? Are you speaking words of hope or words of hopelessness? Are you speaking words of love or words of hate? Are you speaking words of unity or words of division? What kind of words are you speaking? Can I encourage you? When you speak the Word of God out, the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word endureth forever. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your Word is established in the heavenly realms. When you speak the Word of God out, it changes the atmosphere. It shifts things. What is coming out of your mouth is, is injustice, is victim. What's coming out of your mouth? Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy, daughter of God. Begin to, speak, begin to speak the promise of God. God comes to a man called Abram when he's 90, who's got a wife who's 80, and he shows him a vision of the, the stars in the sky. And he says, you're gonna have more children than the stars in the sky. Now that looks like a cruel joke. That looks like God is, is a prankster. You know, God is, God is the God of punked or candid camera. Hey, Gabriel, angels, watch this. Well, well, watch me suck in Abraham. Hey, Abraham at 90 and a wife who's barren at 80. Look up into the stars. You're gonna have more children than the stars in the sky. Suck him in. God wasn't playing a prank. God was delivering a promise. God was testing to see, would Abraham look at the broken baby factory in his wife? Would Abraham look at the biological reality of the deadness of his own body? Would he look at his bank account? Would he look at the impossibility of what was spoken or would he look at the person who spoken? The God that you and I serve is a promise-making God. What God is looking for is a God-promise-believing human being. When I came to San Diego, God said, one church, four locations. 
Oh, honestly, I, I, I would have been happy for one church in one location. But I knew that God spoke it and I knew that what God was looking for was a believer. Will you believe with me that we're gonna see change, that we're gonna see good come out of evil, that we're gonna see out of the ashes of these riots, out of the ashes of the hurt and the pain and the injustice and the racism and, and everything flaring up. Will you believe with me that we're gonna see coming up out of these ashes, the goodness of God, the unity of God, a peace like we've never known it before, conversations that have never been had before and reconciliation like we've never seen things reconciled before, that we will live in a realm of unity. The last one is love. The Bible says, without love, everything is vain. Everything is empty. Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you. That kind of proves that He's God because you can't give a new commandment if you didn't give the old ones. He gave the old commandments, the 10, and now He's saying, hey, I've got a new one for you. I want you to love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Bible says that faith worketh through love. Faith worketh through love. If the love of God is not in your heart, your religion is empty. If people don't see our love, feel our love, experience our love, our words are resounding gongs and empty rhetoric. Let's be the church that loves one another. God loves, for God so loved the world, that He came and hung on a cross. He picked up that cross. Though the people spat at Him, though they plucked the beard from His face, though they mocked Him and jeered at Him, He hung on that cross. Why? Because His love was greater than their hate. Jesus modeled that love can overcome hate. We've seen it again and again. The, the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., by the way, who got involved in politics, by the way, changed the world because he refused to let hate overcome love, but rather he let love overcome hate. Maybe you're here today and you're far away from God. Maybe you're guilty of racism in your heart, prejudice in your heart, hatred, hostility in your heart. Friend, Jesus changes hearts. Give your life to Jesus. Let Him wash it away. You don't need that. It'll make you sick. It'll make you horrible. It'll ruin your life. Maybe you're here today and you've been a victim of abuse. Maybe you've been a victim of injustice. Maybe you've been a victim of all kinds of crimes and you find it hard to forgive. Friend, I, I need you to understand I was a, a victim of incredibly abusive upbringing and I did not have the power to forgive my daddy. But when Jesus came, He not only required I forgive Him, He gave me the strength and the courage to forgive Him and then gave me the ability to love where I'd never been loved. Jesus changes lives. You need Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer in a moment. And if you wanna give your life to Christ, or if you know you need to give your life to Christ, if you need to come back to Christ, if you're away from Christ, or if you've been substituting Christ with religion, stop it. Religion is no substitute to Jesus Christ. Come back to Jesus Christ. On the screen, you're gonna see our website, awakenchurch.com, but there's a forward slash Jesus. I want you to click on there. I want you to go there. Awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. Click on that, make a decision. We're gonna send you some resources. We're gonna send you some gifts to help get you going on this brand new life. But what the world needs now more than anything else is the gospel, is an encounter, is the reality 
of Jesus Christ, His love, His resurrection power, and His life. Father, I thank You for every person watching. I thank You for life transformation. I thank You that the power of God and the healing of God flows. Father, where there's been devastation, where there's been abuse, where there's been victimization. Father, I thank you that your healing flows. Let there be reconciliation. Let there be people embracing once again. Let there be forgiveness once again. Let there be apologies on both sides once again. Father, let honour and blessing and favour and unity restore to this land. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I come against those wicked, evil spirits that are exploiting this tragedy for their own political agenda and means. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. You will not violate and use people's wounds and losses for your own gains. We bind you in Jesus' name. Father, let a nation grieve, let a nation mourn, and let a nation heal. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.